0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Live your Christian life in this thing. What is he going to do? Just kind of read the Roman phone book to us? You know, how's this going to be? Well, I think there's some truths that we can extrapolate from this passage, but I'm kind of reminded of something that really touched my heart this week. Uh, Carol and I were uh, out and about, and she was doing some girly things at the mall, and I kind of go with her, but I don't do those girly things. So I was sitting at a table there as I generally bring um, uh, an iPad with me, and while I'm going through what I'm working on there, I noticed too... um, Island guys come up, big strapping football player looking guys, and they were with their gals, and they kind of saw each other from a different part of the mall, and as they walked closer, they recognized one another, and as they went up, you know how you and I do, many of you with the men, even with the guys, I'll shake your hand, and I'll kind of put my arm around you and kind of give you a little, you know, a chest bump kind of a thing, and that's about as far as I go with you guys, and you're very glad of that, I'm sure, but not these guys. They were rough and tough, hard-to-diaper guys, but they are of the Polynesian, maybe of the Hawaiian descent, and when they came together, they did all of that, but then they dipped their foreheads together, and then they nosed each other. Now, for those of you that are so far out, you're wondering, what in the world is all of that about? Well, if you go back into their culture, when they would say aloha, we know simply it means hello, all right, or maybe goodbye, and maybe throw the word love in there, so aloha. But actually, aloha, the ha, was... I'm touching you, and I'm breathing life in you. Well, if I took that into a biblical culture, because it does talk about greeting one another with a holy kiss, the idea would be that when I speak to you, I want to breathe life into you. I want, I want to encourage you. I want to lift you up. I want to breathe Christ in you, so to speak, not literally, but in such a way that you know that I love you, that we love each other, and that you are better because of our contact. You have life now given to you. Well, in a sense, that's what he's doing here at the end of Romans, in Romans chapter 16. This is Paul's way of saying to them in a letter, aloha. Now, when you read through this, and if you don't just read it as a bunch of names you can't pronounce nor will ever remember, and that will be me too, but as you go through all of this, you're going to find a lot of stuff in here. I've been living with this chapter for many, 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 many weeks. And I struggled for the first month of going through this to really get something that I would find meaningful for you and in our culture and where you are in your understanding of Scripture. And what I did is I found out some great truths that really impacted me, some overall truths that might catch you uh, in a way that will help you. First of all, I had to go back to, this is the Bible, it's Romans 16, it's, it's kind of boring, it's got stuff in there I don't really understand except maybe a couple of verses that actually says get away from those people. So I thought, what in the world? And so I had that and I thought, well, I'll just skip over it. I'll just kind of do like a lot of other guys when they finish Romans, they've been in it so long, they just kind of say, hey, Romans 16 is a great chapter. Read it in your own time. Let me get into how, and then go into something else. I couldn't do that because it says every word is inspired by God. That means every word, every name, how it's positioned has been put in there by God. That means it has as much reality reason to be there as all the other verses in Scripture. So that means it's not like an afterthought of the Apostle Paul, throw it into a summary, kind of grab it into one little Sunday and be done with it. That means what is said there is equally important in the mind of God as far as inspirational equality as all the rest of Romans. So that meant, Stan, you need to slow down. You need to put your little mind in park and drill deeply into this passage because there is a lot in there because Paul mentioned names. Why did he mention this name and not that name? Why about this and here? Why did he position here? Because very much like aloha, aloha means hello, and he's basically saying, say hello to these people. Later on in this chapter, he's basically saying goodbye, and all through it, it's I love you. So I thought about how important that was. Another thing that really impacted me was this, that most people, when they go to the Bible, and they want to look at a salvation book, what's the best book in the Bible that gives salvation? Most people will go to the book of Romans. And why do they do that? Well, one, they're taught what is known as the Roman's Road, that you can go through chapter, a couple of chapters kind of line up like a road. It starts out with you're a sinner. You can't do anything to get to heaven. It's not by works. It is by faith. All you got to do is call upon the Lord. So you got the Roman's Road, and they use that. But yet... Romans was never intended to be used as a salvation book to give to a lost person, although you can, all scripture, all right? But secondly, John is. John was written so that you could give that message to someone. It's all about believing in Christ. But what was so interesting, it moves into all of these heavy-duty doctrines. How about these words? Righteousness, redemption. Those words are words we hardly ever use anymore. And so we might think, boy, those are really important words. What, what, What do we have to do with all of that? It tells me that while Paul was concerned with us knowing doctrine, watch this now, and then later on he's very concerned that we would live that doctrine out in a quality Christian life by serving one another, saved and unsaved, we'd add value to other people, and we'd do it correctly. He was all concerned about that. But this last chapter kind of gave me a little glimpse of the Apostle Paul, a little differently. Instead of him just being a preacher and a teacher and an apostle and a soul winner and perhaps even what we might call a, a church planner, a doctrinal theologian. When I read that last chapter, it told me that he was also someone who cared about people. He cared about people so much that he remembered their names. He knew their names. And not only did he know their names, he knew something about them. And he knew that not something about them, but he knew them personally and that they had an impact on his life and he never forgot them. Now, how would you do that if you travel all around? Well, for me, it really resonated. Different than most pastors that stay in a church for a gazillion years, we might say, that really drill deep and know you. I've been here 11 years, but I've also come from this church and that church as I go to churches and help them get stronger and build them up and go on to the next ministry and work there as the Lord would lead us. So that means we have probably five times more people that we know scattered all abroad. And trying to remember them and pray for them, I thought, man, that is a struggle for me. But it wasn't for the Apostle Paul. So when I saw Paul doing that from church to church, person to person, whether they were different, um, and you'll see this in a moment, whether they were married or whether they were single, watch this, whether they were brothers and sisters, and in one case they probably were twins, he remembered all these different kind of people. Then he remembered them if they were Gentiles or they were Jews believers but coming from those ethnic backgrounds some he's going to talk about that they were older and we'll see that some are younger he remembered all of them so some of you that study personality types you might see the d personalities the dominant driving determined person all about task and getting the people around that task boy i can relate to that that's like the apostle paul i'm a little like that and you know that and then you have the i personalities they're all about exciting and all this and people and all that then you got the quiet ones the s's that are submissive and Tender and shy. And then you have the C's that are always careful and cautious. Correct and critical thinking sometimes. When I look at Paul. Yeah, he was that D. Dominant, driving, determined. Fighter against false doctrine. Fighting against those who fought against Christ, so to speak. Taking a stand. Planting churches. Dealing with conflict. And he did it full on. But also, in his chest, beat a heart of someone who cared for that person. The hurts habits, hang-ups, and helps that he received from that person. And he didn't love them and leave them and go on to the next ministry. He took him with him. He then connected by networking in those days, people together. And as we read this, remember all that he said and all that he did, he did it without Facebook, Twitter. And he did it when all hell was breaking loose, all over the place against Christians. And so when I read this chapter, I read it with a different kind of pathos, a different type of intensity. And here am I. I've got a few minutes left today. And listen to the groups of people. As I just, just listen. I'm not going to give their names yet. We're going to go through that in just a moment. But just listen. In a little bit of time, look at the litany of people. My best calculation. So this is the best I can do. You do yours. There are 25 people, two clans that are greeted in Rome, There are eight people mentioned from Corinth who send greetings, so he takes their greetings from Corinth and sends it to Rome. There are two unnamed women, an unspecified number of men and women, making a total of approximately 33 names of people he remembered and cited. And even more remarkable is that he associated 21 different titles to those names, titles such as sister, servant, fellow worker in Christ, beloved, kinsman, fellow prisoner, and the list goes on. At least 19 references are made to greeting or commending a person, with the last one being, if he left anybody out, he said, and all the churches greet you. I like that because he probably is an old man like I am, and I forget somebody, and I don't want anybody left out, so everybody loves you, you know, kind of a thing. So you got all of that going for you. So when we go through this, I want you to own this. I want you to look at Paul and say, yeah, he was a little bit of a blue denim, but he also had some lace. He was rough and tough and hard to diaper but he also had a tender heart. And so whatever personality that you might have, you too can care for people, real people that really live. And so let's take a moment now and uh, take out what you have as a little outline that you can fill in, and when you open it up, what's gonna fall out on your lap is a little piece of paper. You see this? Why don't you pull that out with you and somehow put it on your lap with your Bible and your notes if you'd like, because our best guess, we figured out, these are our members and our missionaries, And as I look over this list, I would like to tell you, or show you better, why don't you look up here for a moment, what I could do with this list of you all that's mentioned here. I could take you and I could put you into Romans 16. And if I was the Apostle Paul and inspired by God, and I'm not, but if I was, I could write words about every single one of you that you're not names in a church directory, you're not a contact in my manager In my phone, you are real people that really breathe. You really live. You really do have issues in your life. You really have touched my life with Carol. You are very special to us. So these names, I would say most of them in the church, we can pronounce. The others, I think there's only Mary and Rufus, so the only two we might be able to pronounce in Romans 16. But they are still very important. Are you ready to go on this little journey? And I'll go until we finish my notes. All right, let's go on, shall we? I want to talk about the women in ministry and the value that they have. Now, there are other women that are mentioned here, and it's a very hard chapter to clearly define in an outline, but I think there's enough here to kind of get you a picture that you'll feel good that you've seen it more than just a blast of names, so it might help you. So I want you to remember the women. And let's, let's look, if you will, at Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2 to start out with. He begins, after he's done his major teaching of what we talked about serving the Lord God's way that we've covered for two weeks in Romans 15. Now we're in chapter 16. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe who is a servant of the church which is at Centuria. And here's what you're to do. You're to receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, of believers in Christ. But more than just take her in, you're to help her. And here's a tough word. In whatever matter she may have need of for you. For she herself has been a helper of many. And then he throws this in, and of myself as well. And then, how important as I look at this passage here, how great it is to see what kind of a gal this woman was. Well, first of all, we know that she was uh, coming from Centria. Apparently, she's going to Rome. Centria is kind of a little seaport area around Corinth. And I've been to Corinth, and the way the land has now changed in the geography is kind of further away, as you would see it. But basically, that's where she was coming from. Most Bible scholars will tell you that she was perhaps a businesswoman, a woman who may have traveled some, but more than likely she was the one who took the letter from Paul that he had written, he quoted, read it, copied, handed it to her, and then she had to go from Corinth and look at your Bible maps and see how far that she had to travel so many millenniums ago to a city named Rome. And so she was taking that letter of Rome for the first time Now, when you hear that, you're thinking, oh, that's really neat, a very important letter. I get that. She's going over there. I want you to think of it a different way. In her luggage, she carried the Magna Carta of the faith. She just didn't carry a list of hellos from Paul. She carried a firsthand Bible with her right from Paul's mouth through his secretary who wrote it from the heart and mind of God. And she carried that, Phoebe. Now, Phoebe is an interesting name because it also has a name that could relate to Diana, goddess of the Ephesians. And it's possible that she was a Gentile believer. And yet she carried the great truth to the people at Rome. Now, notice how she's identified. Paul then looks at her and he says this. Okay, she's a, I love it. Starts right out. She's a sister. And, you know, um, I think we need to see the ladies in our church as someone very special to us. They're a sister in Christ. So we not only have a special relationship to them, but we protect them. and We help them. And it says a servant of the church at Rome. The word servant there is uh, kind of a a neuter, which means it's not masculine or, or, or feminine, which some people believe that that could refer to maybe a title or an office in the church. And that's where we get the word deaconess. So in some churches, they would actually establish an office known as deaconess, taken often from this passage of Scripture, where special women that meet special biblical godly qualities and testimony are vetted to help in a very special way. I think you might be able to do that. I don't know that you want to extrapolate and say that's exactly what it's saying, but that's generally what is assumed right there. But in any case, it does mean servant. And so she was a sister, and she was a servant, and then later on, you'll see where it says, and has been a helper of many and of myself. There are different words in the Greek that mean helper. Okay, that's the language that the Bible was written in before it was translated into English for us today. But that word helper, they had different ones. One is a helper like just an old menial nobody helper. This was a word helper that was often used in the Greek language that meant that it was a dignified office of a helper. And I would like to think that as I went through this passage of Scripture, the lengthy passage, that Paul never saw anybody have an immenial, that's just a nothing, you're just a, a little dirty helper over here. No, that he saw every helper using that Greek word as a person that has dignity. A phrase you'll hear me use a lot. Everybody is somebody in his body. And so he would look at this woman and say, yep, she's our sister, but she's not just our sister. That's a close relationship. She's also a servant. But more than just a servant, her service resulted in us being helped. And to look at a person like that. So you know what that tells me? That you women in this church, I want you to be affirmed. And I believe we work hard at affirming you that you do have a role. Now, there are certain roles that Scripture then, I believe, clearly says that would not fit for you. And that's all right. That doesn't mean you're less. That's just a different role. But in many ways, you can serve. Women have been tremendously gifted with even gifts of leadership. They've been gifted with certain personalities. And with all of that, we can affirm them just like the Apostle Paul did. And especially those women who knew how to live their life guided by the principles of God's word for his glory. So this is a wonderful woman. And I pray that we would look at women in ministry and hold them in high esteem just like they did as well. That we would receive them. But like they've helped us, that we would in turn to see, what can we do to lighten your load? Well, now we move from this single woman here, and particularly a woman in ministry, and there are others that are here. I just picked this one out in the outline. But let's go to the next verse, verse 3. This gets really good, because now we're going to talk about people that he's also looking at as very important people in their life. And he wanted to make sure that they were recognized. So we're just going to talk about the ones that are married now. It says, Great Prisca." Well, that would be our maybe Priscilla today. Do you know anybody named Priscilla? Anybody know anybody named Priscilla? Probably named very similar to Prisca, although they call her Priscilla today. And then Aquila. Know anybody named Aquila? Just this guy in the Bible. I don't know anybody named Aquila, but that was the name. Now, it's not so important that I try to give you what their name means, but look a little bit further. He says, I want you to greet this husband and wife team, my fellow workers in Christ, and that is so cool that I want you to mark your notes and say that I want to read in the book of Acts and I want to follow the testimony of Priscilla and Aquila just to know how sharp they were. They were so good that they knew how to come alongside someone who was teaching doctrine, not clearly, mostly not correctly, but not clearly, but did have a passion for God and how that they wisely, privately pulled that couple aside, that man aside, who was like the Chuck Swindoll of those days, not so much in and Doctrine but in his ability to communicate. And they quietly but very lovingly told them the truth more. A husband and wife did that together, but it goes further and it says this, who for my life risked their own necks to whom not only do I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a brother or sister in Christ in your life that has your back? That has your back? I think there's nothing better and more encouraging than on a pastoral staff that the two pastors have each other's back. I'm going to explain what that looks like and what that means. The good news is my pastor, my friend, is Dennis Mendoza. Now, the good thing about Pastor Dennis is that he's so easy to talk with and that he talks to us so kindly and lovingly, and he has. If you have your back, you don't just defend him and let that person walk off a cliff. You help them. Pastor Dennis is the kind of guy that if I had cancer, I'd want him to tell me because he do it so lovingly and so tenderly. I look at Pastor Dennis, and together we have this very unusual personality. I'm the bad cop, and he's the good cop, okay? (laughs) You're laughing because it's true. That's generally how it is. But together we work so well. Another thing about it is that nothing can divide us. Oh, we may see the weaknesses, or I like to use the term the uniquenesses of each other, and we've learned how to maybe compensate for the other. And so we've learned to work together. I'd been here about a year, and a person who was a part of the church when there was conflicts and things going on that I heard about, don't know if they were true, but this guy felt there was before I came. And he said, how come there's so much harmony in the body today? And I said, I think the reason we have such a healthy church is because no one can divide Stan and Dennis. They can bring things about the others to one another, but and we'll work those things through, but there's that mutual respect for one another. They had each other's back. And I think about this couple right here, They risked their necks for Paul. They were willing to risk it for Paul. And this couple was so good, they didn't play favorites. Well, I'll do it for Paul, but not for others, because the rest of the verse says, and also for the other churches. So my question to you is, are you willing to risk your life, your testimony, your reputation, what others might think, for you to stand with someone or others for truth and righteousness? How much of your life will you be willing to risk for them? I read a story that I never heard before, and I've been following a a lot of those stories as many of you have, about 9-11, remember that, and all those first responders that went into the building to try to do what they could to bring out the people that were kind of trapped in the burning building when the plane hit it and destroyed it. One of the stories I heard was about a particular police officer. She ran into the building while people were coming down. She ran up the building stairs and then she very carefully and quietly got as many people as she could and started to bring them down the stairs. The police dispatcher that was following the different men and women that were inside this building he talked to this gal. And he said she was so calm as she was carefully walking the people down. Then they lost contact. And much time later, when they finally could get into the rubble, all they found was her name badge, her name, and her badge. And she ran into risking her life to bring people out. And here's the most interesting thing about it. Is that she was the only NYPD officer that was a woman who died in the Twin Tower destruction. And so I would like to be that kind of person for you. I I would like to have your back. I would like to risk my neck for you. And back in those Bible days, they really did need each other because the opposition really went after each other's necks. And I don't want to get too prophetic here, but I do believe we're living in the last days, and I do understand that things are getting worse, and you're going to see more opposition against Christianity. Every year, every decade, it's going to get worse and worse. So it would be good for us to practice now watching each other's backs. And so we see this married couple doing that. Oh, how special that really is. Paul was interested in them. He prayed for them. He cared for them. I guess I'd like to say this, and I need to move on to the next person and see how much time I'm running out here. But listen. See people as a couple. Sometimes we see people only as individuals, but when I look at you, I want to see you as a couple. And let me encourage husbands and wives because Prisca and Aquila... Interesting. She's always named first. Usually it's Stan and Carol. Rarely do you hear Carol and Stan, but always you hear Prisca and Aquila. She's mentioned first. That's good to ponder. Maybe she was the one that had the more outgoing personality, the more dominant one, and he was quiet, silent but deadly kind of guy. You know, he was good. She she led maybe a little bit. But that being said, watch. They serve the Lord together. If you're a husband and wife, is your is the husband carrying most of the weight? And how about you wives? How much weight are you carrying? I taught a men's group. A man came up afterwards and said, you know, 30 years ago, I wanted to go into ministry, but my family really came against me. And he said, I never went to ministry. And now my wife is on board. And I can tell you, this couple who is now retired goes all over the world as missionaries in the second half of their life. He never goes without her. They go together. On the other side... Let me say this, men. It's more the case that the women are the ones out in front. The wives are the ones that are carrying the flag, bearing that torch, running up those stairs in the tower, so to speak. And the husbands are coming along lately with one excuse after another. I don't have anybody in mind, so don't go home and say, "He's he's talking about you. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about anybody. The Holy Spirit might be talking to you. I don't know, but anyway, get back to this. The point still being is, serve the Lord together. Now watch. One may have the microphone, one may have more of the flexibility to be around people, to be seen serving the Lord, and the other one isn't seen so much. That doesn't mean the one that's not seen or heard very often is not serving the Lord. So be very careful you don't judge.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida.